Mini episode 1192 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1192. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here. And we are breaking down the MLB scandal that uh, is, has consumed the baseball world. It started with the Astros. It is mushrooming out, of course, to the Boston Red Sox, the New York Mets. And I have a couple of excellent folks here to talk about this today. Uh, start with a gentleman who has been a sterling guest on our show a couple of times previously. Uh, and this is a gentleman who has been doing broadcasting uh, for a very, very long time, as well as uh, podcasting, I understand, before that was even actually a thing. Podcasting today with a couple of great shows, Sports with Friends and Hall of Justice. A gentleman uh, who has had uh, affiliations, and I believe ongoing, with iHeartMedia, NBC Sports Radio, Westwood One, Entercom. I speak, of course, of Seth Everett. Uh, Seth, it's a pleasure to have you back on. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it, man. It's very good to have you here. Uh, additionally, we have on one of our longest-running FDH Lounge contributors, uh, known on the show here, of course, as the FDH Lounge dignitaries, my good friend Steve Callis. Uh, as I always say, you can you, he has been uh, on outlets uh, such as WFAN, SNY, over a period of time, presently doing the uh, Callis Thoughts podcast with uh, Joe Stazak, our good friend from 97.5, uh, the, the, fan in Phil, the fanatic in Philadelphia, and, uh, of course, also the sports editor of the WestchesterCountyPost.com. Good friend, Steve Callis, and also Legal Eagle for the FDH Lounge. Uh, good to have you back on, my man. How are you today? Hey, Rick. Great to be with you and Seth. Looking forward to it. It's a pleasure to have both of you guys on here, and uh, I know of the great passion that both of you have for baseball. It's a subject I've discussed with you both separately over a period of time, and uh, as we look at this scandal and we look at what has happened with first consuming the Astros uh, manager and uh, general manager, as Hinch and Lunau were the first ones to go down, subsequently mushrooming out to Alex Cora with the Red Sox, Carlos Beltran with the Mets. I was ragging on a friend of mine who's a Mets fan, and I said, hey, what was your favorite memory of Carlos Beltran as New York Mets manager? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it... it, it uh, it came and went uh, very quickly, uh, some would say. But uh, what I'm what I'm wondering in looking at this, because again, this has been getting chewed over by so many different aspects of the baseball media and the larger sports media. I'll start with you on this one, Seth. Uh, I'm sure each of you has some thoughts on things that have been underplayed to this point in time. But as far as the things that we're not talking about as much right now that we should be paying a little bit more attention to out of this, Seth, what are the first couple things that come to mind? Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing, you know, and I, I've been very critical of, of Rob Manfred. Uh, I have done podcasts on the subject. I have evidence to back it up. I mean, he's been involved in 
And they did not want to make a big deal about it then because why did Joe Paterno not want to turn in Jerry Sandusky? Hmm. The same reason. And it's not the same crime, so let's not, you know, it's not exactly apples to apples. Sure. But the argument here is when, when the article came out that broke the story, and that's a fine reporter for The Athletic, a guy by the name of Evan Drylich, who I'm a big fan of. And he wrote this article because Mike Fires, a relief pitcher, he agreed to talk to him on the record. Mm -hmm. And so that article comes out, and that day I called friends of mine at both the league office and the union. And I'll paraphrase the conversations. I said something to the effect of, so what do you think of that article? And both the responses were, what, you didn't know? <laughs> and so, you know, when I saw all this, this fervor from the league office and all the investigations and all these things, there's not a person who covered the Astros that didn't know that they were cheating. And the reality of it is, is no one wanted to be a whistleblower. And the people of authority, because that was the thing that I, I had the biggest takeaway, you know, Jeff Lunau and, and Agent Hinch, Jim Crane knew. And for Jim Crane to say, well, the buck stops with Lunau, no, the buck stops with him. If anybody should have been suspended, it was him. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a that's a bombshell what you just said right there. And uh, again, that kind of uh, information that you have is just priceless uh, to know that this is something that again was right under everybody's nose the whole time, and that uh, far more people were knowledgeable and complicit uh, than anything that is on the public record at this time. Uh, Steve, before I ask you about uh, whatever you think is underplayed, I'll ask for your reaction to what we just heard. Well, I think the crane thing and, and lack of suspension point out, as everybody knows, Manfred works for Crane. He works for the uh, works at their pleasure. He makes a fortune. So I'm not surprised he didn't get suspended because it would be strange, I think, given the way the commissioner's office is nowadays, that he would suspend an owner. The other thing I'll say, in terms of um, player punishment, which Seth just talked about at length, uh, criminals and criminals, he's right. To me, though, they let the kingpins the real criminals, the guys who really did the cheating, off the hook. It's like backwards. Usually they're trying to drug runners to give you the drug local distributor to get the kingpin of the drugs. But these guys, especially Carlos Beltran, who was the only player named in the report, Carlos Beltran supposedly was telling them how to cheat in a better way with the monitors and the technology. So that's laugh out loud funny. And the other one, Steve, Steve, but you know as well as anybody, the, the fact is, is that if he names a player, if they go there, they are tied up in legal wrangling. The union never relent. Well, and, 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 and to get immunity, so he got all the facts in, in public forum, to grant the players immunity, the only strategy he could do. So, you know, I had this dream, and I, I, I've said this on the air before, I've had this dream that every member of the 2017 Astros should be suspended for 30 games. Let's just say, say that, right? And that Willie Mays Hayes and Rick Vaughn and Roger Dorn <laughs> and all the guys from Major League had to play because they ran out of players. And this argument that, you know, Altuvin or Bregman or Springer or all those guys, and what they're involved what was the fact was that if you wanted to get anything done swiftly and not have this drag on, you couldn't suspend a player. So even though I'll criticize Manfred because he knew he had his hands tied, there was only one move he could make. 
Well, it's always because it's always because there's no subpoena power for MLB. Just as there's no subpoena power for any private entity, no matter how strong. So yeah, the I understand the immunity thing makes a lot of sense. But you've essentially, in my view, given all of the criminals immunity to guess who. And your answer is going to be to bring this to a swift conclusion, which is what baseball wants more than anything. But in terms of dealing with the layer whether it's in a criminal case or something like this, this to me has been stood on its head. You can say correctly, if they didn't stand it on its head, we'd be talking about this three years from Tuesday, and that's the last thing baseball wants, and you're 100% correct. But don't please lose sight of the fact that the guys who were doing the seating were virtually, according to the report, all the players on the Astros. So I'm not saying what they did was wrong. You're right. To come to a swift conclusion, you can kick the guys you can kick, which is always management. It's always the managers or the owners or the GM or the minor leaguers. It's never the major league players. Why? Because the baseball union, among other things, is the strongest, greatest union in the history of unions. The only other thing I want to say about underplaying, so I'm sure you guys know all about the Los Angeles Council and let's make the Dodgers the champions, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but being a New York guy, I would point out that in 2017, the Astros beat the Yankees in seven and the four games they won were all at home. And that's all I'll say because that's been underplayed a lot. Well, as a lifelong Yankee hater, I guess that's one of the reasons the Astro scandal doesn't trouble me more. <laughs> I've, I've pointed out to people, you realize that the Yankees went down a lot to the hands of the Astros the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, this is really something that's grabbed the public imagination, and I think this was something I had said to you, Steve, but uh, last week at my bowling league, I just happened to wear my George Springer Astros jersey. I, I got a rainbow Astros jersey. I'm a fan of George Springer. Oh, my God, the heat I was getting from people, so... This is just really something where, Seth, it has just enraged uh, the general public. It really kind of seems like to, to a large degree here. And as we're slotting these kind of things, there's the very obvious uh, point of comparison that a lot of people are making that right about at this moment in time, 100 years ago, we were talking about the Black Sox scandal and what's going to happen there. So you've got that. You've got steroids at the turn of the century and beyond. Uh, that, that tainted the game there. I mean, as you're setting up your sort of pecking order for things that have really threatened the competitive integrity of baseball, how do you kind of slot it out? Well, I think in order for this to no longer be an isolated incident, someone else has to come forward. Um, the Astros weren't the only team that we had heard about. Right. And I don't think it would be responsible to say the teams that I heard. Because until they have somebody come out and, and say that other teams did it. But if we get to spring training and all of a sudden another scandal like this emerges, then there's a real controversy. Then it's something that can really have a, a big negative impact on the sport. If, if I'm Rob Manfred and I'm concerned about my game, I'm not so much concerned about the integrity as I am about the entertainment value because if you look at trends in NBA, where ratings are down 23% on linear television, baseball is in dire straits for, for viewership. And I think that's their bigger concern is, how do I make my game more interesting and not let's have a boring sport that's clean? That's a very good point, and that, that tracks to some of the previous conversations we've had on the show about uh, the strength of local ratings versus national ratings, which, which kind of shows it's sort of going into the same silo that the NHL is in. And, also about how analytics in a lot of ways is sort of destroying 
uh, a lot of the watchability of baseball, things we've talked about uh, previously, both of which I think are evident in what you just said there. So, Steve, uh, what, what are your thoughts on this as far as how this scandal, uh, both in terms of how it's perceived and what you think as far as how it ranks uh, among the past ones as far as threatening the integrity of the game? Well, I think it ranks about God. I think it's, it's not the Black Sox scandal, but it's certainly in the neighborhood in terms of gaining an advantage on the field, which is not quite as bad as just having pitchers that won't pitch, et cetera, or whatever happened in the... I'm not talking about Sheila's Joe Jackson here, right? That's another snow. He didn't pick the World Series. Mm-hmm. But I think it ranks very high. I think it's very problematic. Um, there has to be, to me, baseball has to be more proactive than reactive. I think Seth is right. Not only do I think he's right that if something else comes out, it would be terrible. I'd be surprised if something doesn't come out because the notion that this was limited to one or two teams strikes me as unrealistic. And we can already go back to the Red Sox before Cora was there with the Yankees and the stuff that led to the memos that Manfred sent out to, any, to everybody that supposedly the Astros players didn't get, which Seth is right, if it ever went to some kind of arbitration or whatever with the union, that would be their greatest defense, that actually Crane or Lunau or whoever never even told the players about these memos, even though everybody knows cheating is cheating. So I think it ranks very high up there. I think it's problematic. You know I'm a baseball guy forever, Rick. I'll debate anybody on the wor- in the world about what's the best sport. It's baseball by 10 miles. But it's always been slow. It was slow 50 years ago. It just wasn't as slow as it was now. They used to play two-hour and ten-minute games all the time. But it's generally as slow. You put your kid in the Little League and see him standing in right field. You know, that's a big problem. It doesn't have the action of the uh, football or hockey, or of course basketball, which is really the street game where I grew up in New York City, but it's still the greatest game by far. I just don't know with analytics now, and I'm sure Seth can talk better than I on this, with analytics the way they are, and whatever you think of Tony LaRoops and what he did for relief pitching, uh, it's only going to get slower and more boring, and that's going to be a problem in terms of ratings and having people go out to the ballpark. Along with all the expense it costs to go to one of these games, you go to Yankee Stadium now and you shake your head at what everything costs, especially if you're old like me and went there many years ago. Well, well and, and, and I'm not going to dispute, and I'll never speak about another man's age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the problems that I see, and, and look, I grew up loving the sport as much as anybody. Um, and I chose my career. I chose this path. I chose to talk about baseball in the beginning of my career because I thought that was the most intelligent form of sports talk that was. I didn't buy the, uh, the the NFL pregame shows. I could never get into them. I always thought baseball talk was the baseball analysis was the best uh, form. The statistics don't lie, though. Um, I'll use 2018 numbers just recently because it was discussed on my podcast. And that is, in 2018, baseball had 11,000 not 1,100, 11,000 less balls hit in play than 2008. So that's not baseball's better in the 50s, baseball's better in the 70s. It's not baseball's better in the 90s. It's not that. It's baseball in the last 10 years has taken a slow start and turned it into molasses. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And what I have noticed, and I've done research on this, I've talked to scouts on it, this whole argument about launch angle over contact and how striking out is no longer something that they care about and what it is turns into is 
scouts are only signing players that throw hard, there's no pictures anymore, and the game has lost its art. And, I, you know, I don't condemn anybody who has loyalty to the game, but I have said, and I, I just had Pudge Rodriguez on podcast this week, and I said to him the same thing I'll say to you, it is not the same game. And unfortunately, because of trend and because of technology and streaming and, you know, not only are our, our, our kids in 20s not buying cable, they're not even paying the $40 a month for Slate TV or Hulu TV. They're just going on highlights and seeing things on Instagram and Snapchat. And because of that, baseball has no place. And what I have said in the last five years, the players have changed. We remember, again, I'm going back to Reggie Jackson. I'm not going back to Mickey Mantle. And I was honored to interview both. But when I go back, you think of Derek Jeter and you think of David Ortiz and the household names that these guys became. And then you look at today's players and you couldn't, you know, your listeners can't pick Jose Altuve out of the lineup. They can't, they don't, they wouldn't know Mike Trout if he sat next to him. Right. And there's a problem, there's a disconnect there. So, to Steve's point, I don't begrudge Steve from loving the game as much as he did. But when I watch World Series films, and I watched the World Series film of 2003 recently, I was with Josh Beckett, and we watched the 03 Marlins Yankees World Series film. And it brought tears to my eyes because that sport is different from the one that's being played today. That is an excellent point. That is really, and, and it's right on, and it's on track with things that you've said on the show previously. Uh, and bravo for making that point because, and it's it's sad that it's the case, but you're you're pointing it out. And uh, when when you're talking about uh, the downfall of things baseball, and one of the things that you'd liked previously was baseball discourse. I'm not sure that anything really uh, epitomizes the downfall of it more so than the recent idiocy from Jessica Mendoza with the whole uh, snitches get stitches stuff here, channeling Carmelo Anthony. So. I'll start with you on, on this one, Seth, as far as what Mike Fires is going to be dealing with next year. Much like, again, we're, we're, at, we're at a moment in time in this country that whatever anybody thinks about it one side or another, uh, there's an impeachment going underway that would not be happening were it not for the initial whistleblower, much like this scandal here. If not for him coming forward and being patient zero and saying this is what's going on, we wouldn't even be dealing with any of this kind of stuff. Three more managers in a GM would still have their jobs were it not for him coming forward. And in terms of the ramifications that he's going to have going forward, that is going to be very, very fascinating for me. What are some of the things that you're thinking about as it relates to that, Seth? Well, I love Jessica Mendoza with that line. And considering the fact that she comes out and, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you, EXT and outside of this Yes. And I saw I saw the, the comments on Twitter and I immediately was ashamed that she is allowed to be on a broadcast and I thought that considering the fact that there is so much domestic violence going on in that sport and as a woman the fact that she would not want people to talk about criminal things that are happening and inequities that are happening and would come out so adamantly uh, against the whistleblower and basically preaching boys will be boys, 
very little to anything that I would agree, disagree with there. And great point drawing a straight line between uh, what she said and a sport that employs the likes of Aroldis Chapman and some of these other guys. Yeah, you would think as a woman she'd be a little bit more attuned uh, to the notion of discouraging people from speaking up about things going wrong. Uh, Steve, again, I, I want to ask you about that. And uh, these are things that, again, from your perspective, and we don't touch on it much on this show, but from your legal perspective as well, these have got to be things that you're thinking about here as you look at this in, in terms of the ramifications uh, of, of urging basically a culture of cover-up. Well, it's a total, a total conflict, of course, and, and why it hasn't been dealt with by the Mets or with Major League Baseball with Eva Stian is beyond me. Um, she's almost speaking out of both sides of her mouth. Out of her mouth. In terms of the, in terms of the whole mob thing, you will. Um, Having grown up in the neighborhood next to where a Bronx tale was actually discussed at the time, a Bronx tale, and I assume you guys have seen a Bronx tale, mm -hmm. um, it's a powerful thing within the world if you're living in that world. It's absurd to hear Carmelo Anthony or Jessica Mendoza. Uh, without whistleblowers, I can't even begin to give you the list of what you wouldn't know about. Going back to, frankly, cigarettes causing cancer and automobiles are dangerous if you want to take a big picture look at the whole thing. But yeah, I agree with Seth. Um, that is pretty unwatchable. A-Rod, at the end of the day, how he's landed on his feet is beyond me. A-Rod probably the longest and biggest cheat, you'll recall. At Texas, he said he started taking PEDs because of the pressure of his contract with Texas. And then he also admitted in 2009. So do you think when he left Texas to come to Yankee Stadium, the pressure was less? So it's laugh out loud funny. I would be willing to bet that he started at Texas, if not before, and just did it the rest of his career through 2009. And it really is weird. Along with the announcer, the Vasgarian guy, who was like the XFL lead, he was the lead announcer. Right. I do agree with, I do agree with Seth on that. But, but from a legal perspective, I think, you know, she's talking out of both sides of her mouth. That's a clear conflict of interest. You know what that is in, in the law. And now you see one every week, every Sunday in baseball. How it's allowed to keep going is beyond me. And I don't know, Seth, maybe she was trying to make headlines. Maybe she was trying to get clicks on a podcast. She does. But I agree with you. It's beyond stupid. It really is. There's no question about it. And, uh, again, bringing this thing full circle as we now look ahead, I'd like to get some thoughts from each of you on where we go from here. And again, I'll start with you, Seth. Some of this, of course, is predicated on we don't know what other shoes are going to drop vis-a-vis -vis what you mentioned before, other teams potentially having involvement in this. There are rumors out there, and as you alluded to, things that you'd heard about that, about how much further this goes. But uh, so, so we're kind of flying blind, speculating before we know uh, in terms of uh, if other teams are involved. I, I guess the, the best way to do this then would be uh, if it's confined to what we know now, what do you think is going to happen going forward? How do you, how do you see it playing out this year in terms of the ramifications? 
And uh, if the web ends up spreading here to where it's a bigger conspiracy with other teams, what, how would you see it playing out? That's an excellent point because, uh, again, I, I realize what I'm about to say is impossible because of the, if it were even humanly possible to say this, ever worsening ownership of Paul Dolan. But if by some miracle my Cleveland Indians were to win the World Series this year, I wouldn't be thinking about the scandals either. I'd just be caught up in being happy. So you're right about that. All things are local, and that kind of frames how we look at it. Steve, what do you think going forward here as far as, A, if this metastasizes to other teams and they get caught up in it, or B, if it doesn't, how you see it playing out from here in that scenario? Well, I think the template has already been set by this. If, if you have three more teams that are less that can be proven to do essentially what the Astros did, what are they going to do? They're going to suspend the GM, they're going to suspend the manager, and that team will fire both, and they'll move on and find somebody else to do it. In terms of the Red Sox, that investigation is going on. Cora's already gone. Maybe the GM goes too. But I think we've already seen what Major League Baseball is going to do, and that is not deal with the players because of everything said the union and having it drag on for years and years. So they'll they've granted immunity to the Astros players. They'll grant immunity to these other guys to come in as long as they obviously testify. So I think that's already a done deal. The thing I'd like to hear from Seth, because he'll probably disagree with me because I'm in the minority, I really thought that it should have been, now Manfred has already said he won't, I thought it should have been serious consideration to vacating the uh, Houston Astros World Series Championship in 2017. He said baseball never reverses what's done. Uh, and you can even go back, people have cited the 1919 World Series uh, the Black Sox, I think, should have dictated that World Series. You've got a lot worse things and more evidence there than you have here. Uh, I think it should have been considered. Manfred certainly has the power under Article 2 of the league's constitution to impose any uh, remedial or punitive action if he finds something done in the, against the interest of the game. You couldn't have a more clear case than this. So I'd like to hear what Seth says. Most of the things have already come in and said, no, nah, we can't really do that. We don't change it. I'm not saying uh, Major League Basketball is college basketball, but obviously they vacated the titles there. And I think that would not be a bad result. You're not going to be the champions. You're not going to make the Yankees the champions. But it wouldn't be bad in 1904. There was no World Series. 
the greatest trivia question ever at a baseball with baseball people who don't really know it won the World Series in 1994. The answer is nobody. There was no World Series. I think it would be the end of the world that they vacated, and that would be the greatest message. Because if I'm an Astros fan, which I'm one, I would, I'm not. I'm like, oh yeah, that's terrible, terrible, terrible. We won the World Series. <laughs> That's... Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of it in college sports. I think it's kind of stupid. Um, you know, the only people who are allowed to turn back time are Doc Brown and Marty McFly. And <laughs> I, I just think that uh, things happen. And my best example of that was, you know, I, I came to this conclusion when I was covering the steroid stuff, because, you know, I was there when, when Barry Bonds broke Hank Aaron's record. And I have no debate of what Barry Bonds did to his body and, and, and all the things that he took. But the ball still went over the fence. And you can't rob him of home runs because you're not going to take the runs that he produced away and cost the Giants those games. And I always said, you know, if Barry Bonds snaps a 3-3 tie with a 2 and homer, but you take that homer away, do you have to replay that game? And I don't believe in going back. I think... You know, Jim Beheim should not have had wins taken away from him because some dude didn't take a test. It just it, it sounded like one of the dumbest things, and it's, you know, Superman can fly around the world real fast, and that's the only way to turn back time. And so I, I just don't think you vacate anything. I don't think any of those things happen. Everybody knows what the 2017 Astros did. Um, I don't think that... Uh, you know, I think that it'll behoove them to try and win again because, let's face it, if you're if you're looking at the Astros, and I'd love to see a great redemption story. I think we'd all love to see a great redemption story. And the guy I really would love to hear from is Justin Verlander, who is so anti-cheating, supposedly. And I'd love to know what he knew uh, about 2017. So the reality is you can't go back in time. I think college sports doing it is really, really dumb, to be honest with you, and I don't think, I don't think the mechanics of it make any sense. Well, and I hate to come down uh, on a vote here against uh, my man Steve Callis, but I gotta concur because uh, the NCAA has tried to convince me that the 2010 Ohio State-Michigan game didn't happen, and I beg to differ. I was there. My dad and I were both there. It happened, uh, and Ohio State won the game uh, convincingly, by the way, uh, and we were witnesses to it. So the NCAA later on saying, hey, 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 for those of you who think you saw that, you actually didn't, uh, I remain unconvinced that it didn't happen. And uh, so, yeah, so for that uh, for that reason, I have to uh, side against my man Steve Callis. But well, if, I, if, I, if I could, Rick, it's a little different with Jim Beheim taking a test I couldn't care less about either. And winning the World Series or beating the Yankees four games in Houston and losing all three games in New York or whatever Dodger fans want to say. I'm not against getting rid of those things because it did happen, yes. Barry Bonds did what he wanted. Ask any baseball fan with a brain, and in my opinion, Barry Bonds is the Donald Trump king. What he did is a joke. And the real joke is I would defend Barry Bonds' right to be in the Hall of Fame because if he dropped dead the first day he took a steroid, Maybe in retrospect would have been better for him, certainly in terms of the Hall of Fame. He had already won three MVPs, and everybody in the history of baseball who won at least three MVPs is in the Hall of Fame. It's irrelevant that he went on to win six, seven, ten, or fifteen MVPs. That's irrelevant. Beforehand, Skinny Barry Bonds was easily a Hall of Fame player. Clemens, I'm not as sure about. I think those two are in a different boat than everybody else because they were so good. If Clemens didn't start taking steroids till 
Boston traded him, and the GM said he was washed up, and he won back-to-back Cy Young awards, which is what people think. If you read Game of Shadows, the paperback edition, the best research sports book I've ever read, if you consider it a sports book, I do. It's, a great book, yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. it's clear. It's clear what Bob started. He was jealous in 1998. He was jealous of Sosa and McGuire, and he said, "I'm much better than these guys." And he took steroids. And although Seth is right, the ball did go over the fence. It might have gone at the warning track the year before he first took a steroid. So yes, his head got big. Yes, he bumped up like the Hulk. Yes, he's the most obvious example of all this. But never forget what a great ball player he was before he ever took a steroid. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, but I don't look at it like that. I, I look at it as, you know, there were pitchers that were doing steroids too. You know, I have often said, and I've said it on workplaces, 1998, if you want to print out all the 30 rosters, I could circle six to eight guys on each team that I had heard and was doing steroids. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I just don't think is I don't think single anybody out because they were they were doing. Uh, I'm not a Bonds guy. I'm not a Bonds fan. I thought he was punk. Um, and I, I didn't find him very charming at all. And the fact is, the fact is, is that you know, the pitchers he was hitting off of were doing steroids. Steroids were rampant. And I go back to 1998 because when Mark McGuire broke Roger Maris's home run, Buck Billick could have jumped onto the field with a megaphone and said, don't cheer for him. He's on steroids. And they still couldn't have tested him. And that's not even Buck's fault. Buck gets unfairly uh, criticized for this. The fact is that Don Fear wouldn't take his phone call. Yep. And... The reality is that it took Congress to get in board and threaten the antitrust exemption and get them to finally get to a testing program. And talking with people at the Olympic Committee, the baseball testing program is actually one of the best things they have going for them. And as somebody who had said, you know, Rob has done a lot of impropriety, the fact is is the test, drug testing program is fantastic. And the reality of it is, is that I was told, and I covered the Mariners in the late 90s, and I was told by pitchers, they said, do you know how many pitchers they knew were doing it? It was uncanny. I remember a guy got sent to the minors, and I sat with him for a good half an hour. He was waiting for a bus. And we were talking, and he said, I won't do steroids. I hate that I'm being beat out by guys who do. So steroids was so prevalent in pitching. And I think it's the, it's the great story of that era that doesn't get told. So, yes, you can say the whole era is, 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 is cheapened because guys are cheating. The only of it is, is every record holds up because the games are played, teams won and teams lost, world championships were won, you're not stripping them of them. And the reality of it is, is as much as you may not like the guys, they, they, they did it. And that was the era in which they did it. Good point. Yeah, I, I, I can't go to the traffic court and say, yeah, I was speeding, but the guy with me was speeding as well, so I shouldn't get a speeding ticket. That's absurd on its face. Having said that, with everything you just said about steroids, and I'm sure you got the names and the numbers, you can point to all the pitchers who did everything. To me, that's not a defense. And what Bond, again, and Clemens, but Bonds for sure, seeing Game of Shadows, paperback edition, what Bond did was he was already a great player, a Hall of Famer, a superstar, a MVP winner who 
if he didn't split the vote with Bobby Bonilla that one year, he would have been a four in a row at before he ever thought of steroids, never mind, took one. So to me, there is a big difference. The only reason I speak to things like vacate the World Series and everything else I don't care about, to me, Bonds is not the home run king. To me, Roger Maris is still the single season record holder. I'm old. To me, there should be two lines in the record book as there was for a while. 154 games, Babe Ruth 60. Uh, there, was not a, there was not an asterisk, I assume you know this, Sam. It said 154 right. games, Babe Ruth 60. Plus greenies. A lot of them did greenies. tell you what, what a nice little uh, twist at the end there, because again, having just passed the 13th anniversary of this show, uh, we pride ourselves on, on the variety of talk that we've had over a period of time, uh, but as well, uh, sometimes when there are uh, disagreements on topics here, and uh, again, in an embrace debate world with all these garbage debate shows on TV, what a true honor to have a little exchange like that at the end of the show here, and uh, have some guys show you how it's really done as far as getting into the facts of the matter and mixing it up that way. I want to thank you both uh, for being here for this uh, really excellent panel today. Uh, Seth Everett, uh, thank you uh, again for being on the program. Please don't be a stranger, sir. Always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Really appreciate it. And Steve Callis, one of our most valued FDH Lounge dignitaries, thank you very much, too, my man. This was wonderful. Thank you both so much, and thank you everybody for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini episode number 1192.